Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive access to podcast episodes not released to the public by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. Zoe's like what are Zoe's superpowers like what are her strengths and she has so many of them and one of the things that um, you know comes up is you know she has a voice and it's like yes she does and at the the beginning of the book we the reader are the only ones that know that sometimes an author writes a story not realizing until the book is finished that this was the book they had needed when they were growing up In that way, writing is a magical thing. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 560. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Anne Braden, author of The Benefits of Being an Octopus. This is a story about the strength of a 12-year-old girl named Zoe, even from before the moment when she realized she possessed such strength. It's a story about the things people tell us about ourselves and others, and how those things can become truths if we believe them, for good or for harm. It's a story about depending on someone to provide for you and being taken advantage of and degraded because of your dependence. But most of all, it's a story that is true for many, many children and families, and it's on us to see these children. It's on us to see these families. Please welcome my guest, Anne Braden, author of The Benefits of Being an Octopus. Hi, I'm Anne Braden, and I use she, her, hers pronouns, and I am the author of The Benefits of Being an Octopus. Um, I'm also a middle school, a former middle school teacher, and I am, in the past, have been a community organizer. You also co-host a podcast that I think is quite phenomenal. (laughs) Thank you. If if we're going on record, which we technically are. (laughs) (laughs) This is the definition of record. (laughs) This is the definition of on record. As of recording this on (laughs) 
<laughs> January 2nd, 2020. I think your podcast is pretty awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You want to say a little bit about Books Between? Uh, sure. So I co-host it with uh, Sadia Faruqi. Um, who's the amazing author of Meet Yasmin and a number of other books that are coming out. And um, it's focused on books that bridge the divide, you know, cultural divides, ethnic divides, economic divides, racial divides. We look at the books that can be those sort of safe places where we can bring up hard issues. And um, it, I have to say that at the moment we are a bit on hiatus because we've both gotten so busy. Um, sure. But uh, but yeah, we have lots of episodes that exist. <laughs> so, I would imagine yeah. that if if you and Sadia are doing the writing thing correctly, then it's going to become harder and harder to do the podcast thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which I respect and love about both of you. <laughs> We had we had some conversations in the fall. We were both like, we must support each other in not being complete workaholics and having some sanity. Right. <laughs> so, Anne, I believe to walk us backward on on how you and I have first connected, I I, I feel confident that the first time we ever met was at New England SCBWI. Yes. But I think also we met prior to the benefits of being an octopus releasing. Correct. Because I remember telling you about it. And I was so, you were so excited about it and I was so excited. And it was just like one of those moments where I was like, he gets it. He totally gets why this book is needed. Well, and then I listened to the book on audio, right? This is the way that I really can devour books much mm. more quickly because I teach full time. So, you know, like, like you do, we're all doing four or five extra things. But being able to move through this book on audio, um, I have to tell you, was it, this was one of the fastest audiobooks I listened through. I could not stop listening to Zoe's story. Uh, and I remember when I had started reading the ARC back in, I don't know, your book came out, I think, in, what, September or October, something like that? Yeah, of 18. So I remember, I remember having it, like, being aware that it was sort of on its way. But um, because I'm a podcast, a book reviewer and books keep coming in, uh, and because I teach full time and have two children, sometimes the best I can do is try to read a chapter a night of any book. And as you know, being a mom, <laughs> the yes. end of the night after a long day, not a great time to read. <laughs> yes. But I knew from the moment that I started reading your book that it was something special. And I'm so grateful to have had the chance to really sit down proper and devour it almost literally within, I think, two days or three days. Um it, it was quite a joy and a challenge to hear Zoe's story and to to walk with her through these truths that she's living and um and and that that deep feeling I felt in me that I need to talk to Anne about this. I need to know more about where your heart was thinking of this idea or coming into it. So before we go into the details of this book, would you mind introducing the benefits of being an octopus to those who have not ran across this book yet? Sure. So it's a middle grade book. Um, it's about Zoe, who's 12. And when she comes home from school, she's got a lot to juggle, a lot on her plate, um, because she's got um, siblings that are younger than her. She has a four-year-old brother and a three-year-old sister. And then there's a six-month-old baby, Hector. Um, and it's up to her to take care of them because her mom works at a local pizza restaurant in the afternoons and the evenings. And so she is, um, you know, trying to take care of them. And she feels like, you know, they're in a good place right now because they finally have a stable 
nice place to live. They, her mom's boyfriend has this nice, neat trailer. And Zoe feels like, okay, we just have to not screw this up. And so she's trying not to screw it up, but it's a very neat trailer. Her mom's boyfriend likes things very neat. And so she's trying to keep these three kids neat and tidy. And her mom's boyfriend's dad basically lives in the recliner that's in the middle of the living area. And he has quite a temper. And so she's trying to keep these three kids neat and quiet. And so, you know, she has no, it's like such a challenge. She has no time to think of anything else except that. And so by the time she gets to school the next day, She's not thought about school. She's not done her homework. And so she loves the octopus because it has eight arms to juggle all the things. Um, But it also has incredible camouflage abilities because at school she wants to blend in and be as invisible as possible. But there's this one teacher who sees her despite her trying to be invisible and is like, you know what? What you need was what I needed when I was your age because you remind me of me. And what I needed was to learn how to get other people to take me seriously. So I'm pulling you out of homework club and I'm putting you in the debate club because you need to learn how to speak up. So the book is about Zoe finding the courage to say the hard things she needs to say. I think that in that balance of trying to find the courage to say those hard things, I think that I also felt that tension of not wanting to out herself or her family's financial situation, not wanting to out that they are living in poverty, that they are truly dependent on this boyfriend who may or may not be the best guy mm-hmm. in Zoe's mom's life. I think we, <clears throat> you, you do this really complex thing that I, I admire so much about this book, which is that in the start, Zoe really believes the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. She really believes that when he's saying that his mom is just this idiot that can't get stuff right, and no wonder you can't be better off, you need me, that what we come to learn and understand is verbal abuse. At first, Zoe is processing as, well, he's right. You do have this problem, mom. You are weak. You can't get out. I'm going to be strong because you can't be. And that um, that was so hard mm-hmm. to read that and to start there and to follow the journey of uh, Zoe um, understanding herself, of Zoe better understanding their situation, of better understanding the adults in her life, because this is such a book about trust mm-hmm. and about how how do you know who to trust when kids should be able to trust every adult in their life? They should right. be able to. Right. But you don't always have experiences that tell you that. No. So I would like to ask you, before we go deeper into Zoe's story and these, these uh, circumstances you've put her in, I'd like to first ask you and how you met Zoe or met this story? Mm-hmm. Where did this story start for you? Um, well, I I actually was at um, uh, this thing for my daughter, this like toddler <laughs> class. Um, and uh, I was talking to one of the other parents and she's a guidance counselor at one of our local elementary schools. Our town 
has about 80% of the, our kids qualify for free and reduced lunch. So it's, you know, many families that are like Zoe's where they're working hard and they are not making ends meet. Um, and she's, you know, she was like, you know, our kids never see themselves in books. You're a writer. You should write that book. You know, it was this often common. And I was actually in between projects. And so I was like, I never know what the next idea is. <laughs> so I, I thought about it more seriously than I would have in the middle of a project. But I thought, no, I can't write that book. Like, yes, that need, that I, that I book needs to exist, but I'm not the person to write that book. Um, but I, I kept thinking about it for a few months. And Zoe came to me so fully formed. And I only in retrospect do I realize how it, how it happened that way. And I realized I was able to draw on so many of my emotions of feeling completely inferior to other people when I was growing up. So like I grew up in a town that was pretty well off and, but I, you know, I looked around at most of the kids in my classroom. Most of them had nicer places to live than I did. Most of them had two parents. I had one, I had a single mom and I decided that that meant that they were better than me. And I brought that with me, you know, everywhere I went. Um, And my situation was not the same as Zoe's. Um, it was not nearly as, as bad, but I still had those emotions regardless of how, how dire it was. Um, and so drawing on those emotions, yes, I just, I realized that I knew Zoe, I knew her and I, and that her story needed to be out there. I'm grateful that you could see Zoe in so many of the different people around you in your community and also parts of her in you. Um, Perhaps that's part of what contributes to, I guess for me, how unpredictable this story was. I just felt like Zoe was showing me that I don't know anything about her, Mm -hmm. but that as a teacher, the best thing I can do is love. Yeah. And to be there. And I've worked at schools that have had 85 or greater percent um, community qualifying for free and reduced lunch. I've been at those Title I schools for years and years and years. And that stuff is private. We don't know. Right? We don't know what families are currently homeless. We don't know what families are whatever. All we know, we tend to know is that this percentage qualifies for free and reduced lunch. Uh, We tend to know we live in a transient population because where the school was located, the apartment complexes were sort of along different school lines. So families would often go from one school back to the other, back to the other, Mm -hmm. as different apartment complexes were running different, um, you know, incentives, the first month free or whatever. Um, And to have the opportunity to hear a child like Zoe express her story, her truth, the way that um, you were able to express it was something that uh, I found a lot of strength in, but I found also that Zoe needed to find that strength while I was also looking for it. Yes, right. One of the things we talk about when I go to school visits, I talk about Zoe's like, what are Zoe's superpowers? Like, it, what are her strengths? And she has so many of them. And one of the things that, um, you know, comes up is, you know, she has a voice. And it's like, yes, she does. And but at, the, at the beginning of the book, we, the reader, are the only ones that know that. 
Like no one else in the story, including her, realized that at the beginning. And I think that, um, yeah, recognizing that. And I also just have to say that um, as a teacher, as a former teacher, you know, I, another thing that I realized after I wrote the book was that this was the book I had needed, that I had been not, like I, I was a good teacher for a lot of those kids, but I, I remember one student, she was, I was uh, new to the school. It was a loop, um, a seven, eighth loop. So I'd replaced a, a teacher who had left. And there mm. was this eighth grade girl who was just like storming around. She, I was trying to get her to do work. You know, she was like just leaving my classroom, slamming the door. And I didn't know what, to, I felt like I was just banging my head against the wall. I had no idea what to do. And uh, like six, eight months later, towards the end of the school year, I find out she didn't have a home at that time. Like they were living out of their car. And I just thought, oh my gosh, if I had known that, like I, I was looking at her as a student rather than as a child. As a child. I was going to say the same thing because it, this book made me question, but this is a big picture question. Why do I have to know Right. To be able to love that child. Right. That's the challenge for us, I feel like, as educators or as human beings, is that we should not need someone to validate or to, you know, to 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 whatever, to vent their own circumstances in order for us to validate what they're going through. Yeah. We should be able to just see them for who they are and know that however they're acting, this isn't me. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. So I know many of you have been listening for some time and you know that I am obsessed with audiobooks. And the reason why that is, is because one, I can listen to them wherever I go and two, because frankly, I'm a terribly slow reader and three, the only time in the day that I've really been able to carve out time to read is after a long day of teaching, after we've prepared dinner for the kids and we've bathed them and we've sent them to bed at the very end of the night, that's when I can read. And it is hard to read and get through a novel at that pace. So, thankfully, we have audiobooks. You know, now you've got lots of options when it comes to buying audiobooks, but what if you could support local bookstores at no extra cost to you? Did you know Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including those New York Times bestsellers, recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, I get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but I'm part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. And I think part of it is also, I mean, this isn't always the case, but for the most part, people are doing the best they can. Yeah. You know, and so 
sometimes it's a matter of figuring out, well, what else do you need to be able to do better? But, but yeah, I mean, like, you, you got to give people the benefit of the doubt of, like, they are showing up. The fact that they are showing up to school, a lot of these kids, like, that is a feat. And, um, you know, like, their existence there should be celebrated. You have a lot of of those types of celebrations throughout this book. The structure of this book, um, I feel like you really mind it. I don't know how the entire story came to you or if you felt like you were just following Zoe, <laughs> letting her tell you what she's getting into or you were trying to twist things up. But to have this girl go onto a debate team and use her voice where she does not want to use her voice to have her teacher be like, you're going to be in this debate. I'm going to give you a great topic. And then to have that topic <laughs> be gun violence and her be like, no, no, no. I am part of this gun culture where we go hunting and you're putting me in a group where people are like, guns only kill people. Like yeah. a, a, a very sort of binary way of thinking things. And then, and I'm watching our time. I know that we can't talk about this entire, <laughs> every page, <laughs> but you and I will next time I see you. But to bring a gun into this book, fired no less on that school campus and have people immediately decide that they know what happened. And to have that be the truth that everyone accepts until they know better Mm -hmm. is such a great testament to, to the work we all have to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that, one of the reasons that I felt like I could tell the story when I sort of, I knew Zoe and I was like, okay, well, what's, what else is there to the story? And I, you know, just been, I had just spent several years sort of starting this uh, movement for uh, common ground gun laws in Vermont, which is a very, I mean, this is where the book is set. It's a very um, strong gun culture, but it also has this sort of new culture coming in from out of state that is a much more sort of liberal, I know what I'm doing, I know better than you culture. And um, seeing those two worlds judging each other and the divide that existed between them, it was, for me, it was very powerful to, I was sort of in the mid middle of it, getting yelled at by everyone <laughs> at points. But, um, but the, uh, you know, it's very much, um, a microcosm of the larger divide we have in our country. And, you know, there's the judging that happens from one side to the next is often based on <clears throat> superficial things rather than deeply understanding the person, right? Not, it's not based on having a human connection. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to sort of explore all the ways that we judge and and what are possible ways to maybe move past it in some, in some increment. You know, it's not like, it's not like this book does not have like a glowy, happy ending, but, um, but finding, finding the little steps to take to make bridges. Yes. The ending that we have, I know that this book has been out now for, for over a year, but I also know folks like me that listen to audiobooks and rely on audiobooks and just kids in the library, a book can be new no matter when it published. It can always be new to readers, right? Right. 
the ending in this book, I'm not going to give away the ending because I don't want to spoil that because I don't know when children are going to find this book or listeners are going to find this book. But I will say that I wanted to commend you, not just for the way that Zoe's family strength is affirmed in this story, that it's not just her pulling her family out by, you know, pulling them up by the bootstraps. It is the strength of a family of four of three very young children and, and Zoe and, and mom. Um, but also how the debate team served, served its time. Mm -hmm. As, as that was introduced, I thought now this entire book is going to be about this debate team. And I wonder where that's going to go. And for me, the way the book ended left me in that space of knowing that like, Zoe's going to have stuff to return to in life. Her life has lots and lots and lots of reasons to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of hope that we're leaving her with, but we also get to leave her the way that perhaps in the story she would have rather been left, which is that we don't know that much about her in the end. <laughs> she just gets to go back and have her life with her family, knowing that that they're on that path we hope to, to being all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, you know, you asked about how I sort of plotted the book and I was, I had some general ideas, but they were usually um, derailed by Zoe. <laughs> I love that. So <laughs> <that. laughs> very much um, led me. Um, and there was a point, I mean, so I will not give away spoilers, but there's a point sort of two thirds of the way in when Zoe is and her mom are in the car and they're leaving the grocery store and they're having a conversation about what to do next. And it's, there's also this bigger conversation about what to do next. And I did not know how the book was going to end before that conversation with her mom began. Like is Zoe Zoe and I figured it out at the same time. <laughs> like, what resources do you have? You know, what yes. options are there? Um, and then go with that. You know, so it like for me the 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 book. My constant refrain while writing this was: Is this honest? Is this real? Because I did not want to put anything out there in Zoe's name that did not honestly reflect her reality. Wow. The, I don't want to, putting Zoe and her family in a position where maybe the best phrase to use is being stuck between a rock and a hard place. (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't want to say that they are choosing the lesser of two evils because that isn't fair to the decision that they make. Mm. But the decision that they make is I think both for Zoe and and for her family at large, I think it's one of the most difficult decisions I've seen characters make in a book that I've read. Just, it feels like there's, I think because it feels like the stakes are really high. Yeah. Because it is their life. Right. It is how they will provide for themselves. And for what it's worth, there's many 
there are many people and families who do not make that decision and they are not any less strong for it. Correct. The, uh, I feel as I'm, as I'm, as I'm reflecting, I'm thinking like there's so much more to talk about the trying to get out from under abuse, verbal or physical, as you're saying there, um, the person being abused, the victim, like you said, there's no right or wrong. They're making the right decisions by thinking about it, by talking about it, by reaching out to a friend, mm-hmm. by taking action, by by imagining how to how to get out of that circumstance. There's so many different right ways that all look different. Yes. And none of them are less than the other because everyone is in every different circumstance and needs to provide for themselves and for their family. So I can only hope maybe that, that any one of us can have the insight to recognize the people that have provided for us all along, whether or not we agreed with the way that they did it. Yeah. And I I think that, I mean, so much of this is about, you know, you don't necessarily know what's going on below the surface of someone, right? That they, that, you know, either, whether it's, you know, at school where, you know, Zoe looks like someone who doesn't care when she's not, (laughs) Um, or if it's, you know, in her home life when she's looking at her mom, you know, like you just can't make assumptions about people and think that you know who they are. Yes. And I know that you have had the opportunity now to get into a number of schools and to see a number of children, perhaps just like Zoe. So I want to wrap up our conversation first by saying thank you to you. Thank you for reading this book. Thank you for speaking about it with me as if it was the day it was coming out. Cause I know you talk that same way to all those children that you meet because it is brand new for every new reader. But I want to ask you that I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that struck me most in the school visits is people who said, you know, I didn't, no people wrote books about people like me. And so what I say to them and what I want to say to the children in your library is that you are a hero as big as any hero you see in a book or on the screen. And if you haven't yet figured out what your superpower is, promise yourself that you will be looking for it because it exists inside you. It's just a matter of finding it. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. 
And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumor has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favorite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.